Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. God, it is true, your name is so powerful and so beautiful and so wonderful. And beyond description, there aren't enough positive adjectives in the world to describe who you are and what your name means to us, God. Thank you for this morning. Uh, as we transition into the speaking, I, I pray that this would just be a, a time where we can worship you and fall more in love with you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you guys go ahead and grab a seat. Uh, you guys, I am really stoked for this morning. I, I'm really pumped. And uh, I know that I often get up here and say I'm really pumped. Um, <clears throat> so I need to clarify. This is like the next level over my usual pumpedness. For on Sunday mornings. Um, and, and there are two reasons. One is a, a bigger, more, uh, I, I guess, is a more realistic reason. The other one's kind of smaller, more personal. Maybe you'll think it's silly, but uh, I'll share that one with you first and save the best for last. So um, uh, if you follow me on social media, you might have seen a, a week or two ago, I posted that our little two and a half month old baby got her, uh, her own bank account. She's holding her bank card. Um, and uh, because someone had written a check to her, so she had a bank account. And so then I was like, well, Talisi, like if she's going to have money, then she needs to start learning how to give money, right? So this morning, we took her to the info center with her own debit card, and this morning was my little baby's first time uh, tithing. And uh, it was uh, pretty challenging, because it is hard to get baby fingers up in like the numbers around the edge under that little visor thing. It was really hard, so I had to help with some of the numbers. Um, I know it's like, obviously, she didn't actually tithe this morning because she has no idea what anything means in the universe so far. But um, I'm just pumped. I'm excited to raise her in a church community and be intentional with things that matter, like being committed to church community, giving. I want my daughter to learn how to give. Um, And uh, on a more serious note, as we we dive into the series, I want to invite you, all of you, especially if you're parents or you have a family, uh, to, to be intentional about the things that matter. I mean, I know I've only had a kid for two and a half months, so I don't have it all figured out, but I do know that if I prioritize and I'm intentional with the things that matter, spiritual things, uh, that matters a lot more than a lot of other things. And so I encourage you to take in the series, but especially like if you're parents, uh, you know, be really intentional with this stuff because we think this really matters. The real, the real reason I'm stoked is because we're starting a series on prayer, and we've never, uh, in my time, done a series just on prayer. We talk about reading the Bible a lot, and we haven't uh, really done this before. And I I thought Doug's message last week was awesome, but I thought it was brilliant. Uh, You know, uh, well, I think there are a couple things that were brilliant about his message. One was he talked about how our words shouldn't be salty, and I think that was kind of a subliminal way for him to say, hey, Ryan, stop taking shots at me on stage. Um, But I think the really brilliant thing was how he set up the series in prayer as we transition into this. And I went back and watched the YouTube video because I thought it was so powerful. Uh, There was this thing he said towards the end when he was talking about prayer, and he said that uh, he believes that prayer is the most undervalued currency that we have on planet Earth. And I think that is so true. 
And you know, he compared it to Bitcoin. You know, how Bitcoin, it's like, well, what's this thing? It shows up, and all of a sudden, it's actually like of a lot of value. And how one day, you know, whether it's now or in eternity, we will realize how valuable prayer was and how much we undervalued it. You know, it's like we're sitting on a we're sitting on like a, a crazy treasure, and we often don't, you know, unearth it. Uh, it's kind of like you know, every winter you put on your jacket for the first time, and you put your hands into your pockets. And you find that 20 or that $50 bill, or if you're like really balling, $100 bill. Um, share with the rest of us, please. Um, and that doesn't really happen to me anymore because we don't really actually like have cash nowadays. But you know, you know that feeling you find, you're like, this is so awesome. Well, what if your jacket, you know, had that money in it and you, you never put the jacket on? Or when you're wearing it, you never put your hands in the pockets. I mean, I mean that value is still there. You're just not utilizing. You're not discovering it. And I think that's so often what we do with prayer. And so I'm really excited for these next three weeks because I actually think, you know, prayer maybe seems like an elementary thing to talk about. But I actually think that this is, is, is stuff that could be very revolutionary uh, for all of our lives personally, for us as a church, and, and even in our community. I think that this is the type of stuff uh, that, that can spark revival in our lives and, and also on a larger scale. We think about prayer, you know, if you're like me, you generally think about it as being, when it comes to our four things, a think-in component where you engage personally with God. And I think, by and large, in a lot of ways, that's very true. But I actually think prayer is one of those really cool things that spans all four things. You know, you engage personally with God, but prayer is also a very communal thing. We'll see that a little bit later, uh, just a bit. And I think that if we actually approach church and engaging with FBC and its mission and the church and its mission with prayer, if we're wrapping that in prayer, we'd see revolutionary things happen in our church. If, if you're engaging in personal relationships, if you're in a small group and you're filling that with prayer and you're saturating that with prayer, I think it would be transformative. And then when it comes to thinking out, you know, we think about the context of our community that needs to know the love of Jesus Christ. I don't think there's, I don't think there's a tool or a currency or whatever you want to call it that could be more effective towards that end than prayer. I think it's one of the most valuable things we have when it comes to thinking out. Uh, and so uh, I want to give you a little, we have a lot of ground to cover because I wanted to do a bit of a setup for the series, got a little bit of pretext, and then we're going to hit the actual point towards the end. Um, so I want to give you a little bit of a look as to what the series is. It's, it's three weeks. We don't really have enough time to, there are a lot of things we're not going to talk about. We don't have enough time to spend all our time convincing you how valuable prayer is and how important it is that you're praying and stuff like that. So what we're going to be focusing on for the next three weeks is, is how to pray in a biblical, and we'll say correct and effective way, a way that actually lines up with what Scripture teaches us about, uh, about prayer. And we believe that if you put that into practice, then you'll just see how valuable it is. So we don't, we'll, we'll argue that a little bit up here, but you, you'll be able to just experience that, you know? Um, so each week, what we're going to be doing is each week is just going to have one small component, uh, you know, one takeaway idea that we believe is an important ingredient or component to what effective and biblical praying is. And so what we're saying is we believe that there is actually biblical teaching and a biblical model for what prayer should look like. It's not just something for us to design on our own, but we believe that there's a biblical model, and we're going to teach that. And I'm really excited for this because I believe, and this might sound negative, but I really believe that we, for the most part, in the church nowadays, have prayer really wrong. I think we've really lost sight of what it's about. 
And not just by virtue of the fact that we don't pray very much, but just, just how we pray. And so we're going to be working through that a little bit um, and giving you one component in each of these three weeks, these three components that we'll say we believe are the basic building blocks, the necessary components and ingredients to what a biblical praying is. Each week, we're going to end with a little bit of a participatory time. Nothing crazy. We're not going to get you on stage or put mics in front of your faces or anything like that. Nothing, nothing insane, so don't, don't not show up. Um, <laughs> But we're going to be teaching and then just giving a few minutes for response and application. So we'll be doing that today and the next two weeks. And at the very end, March 25th, it's only two weeks from now, we're, we're actually going to have these really cool FBC prayer guides. And I'm actually really excited about these because I love some of the resources we've been able to put out for Bible reading and, and different things like that. And, and usually I'm like, this will be a really cool tool for a church. But I'll be straight up. Prayer is an area of my life I struggle with quite a bit. So when I'm preaching to in this series, I'm not just getting up here and saying, hey, you know what, be like, uh, what I'm saying is, here are all the things I've been convicted and challenged on over the past week and what I need to work on in my life, and I'm sharing that with you. And so I'm really excited for the prayer guides just because I think it's going to be a really useful tool for myself as well and hope it'll be good for you guys. But we're going to be handing those out on week three once we've kind of taught through it, and then that will just be a representation of the whole series and hopefully a really useful tool. Um, I just want to give two quick encouragements as far as the series goes. Um, my first encouragement is please take the whole series in. I know we always encourage people to be committed to coming to church and being part of church and showing up on Sundays, but, but especially with this series, I want to really challenge and encourage you guys to just make the space and decide. And it's pretty simple because you're already here for week one, so you only have two more weeks, so it's not asking a lot. Um, and if you have to miss a week, catch up on YouTube or through the app or a podcast or whatever. And not because Doug and I are like that brilliant of, of speakers or, you know, have something so crazy to say, but because we believe that this is really important stuff and we believe that if we actually take some of this for its face value, what the Bible teaches it, this is stuff that could really make a difference. And so please take in all three weeks. That's my first encouragement. My second one is please be open. I know when we talk about prayer, maybe it sounds basic, like if you've been in church for a while, like, yeah, we pray, I pray, you know, all this, it just seems like a normal thing, like what do I need to know about it, maybe do it a little bit more. We'll be saying some things that I think will probably challenge uh, the really normative practices of how we approach prayer in a lot of ways, and I want to ask you, first of all, to be open uh, to understanding that we don't have it all right so that sparks some change, and be open to being challenged. You know, maybe we say something that seems offensive because you're like, man, that's how I've been praying for the past 20 years. But we're not saying it to offend. We're, we're saying it to say, hey, you know what? Let's look at the teachings of Jesus and be open to changing a little bit if it, if it challenges where we're at. Uh, this series isn't going to be too different uh, from our Colossians series because we're just working through a passage of Scripture again. Uh, over the three weeks, we're going to be working through just five verses, Matthew 6, 9 to 13, probably one of the most common, well-known passages of Scripture. I encourage you always, if you uh, have a Bible, to open it or turn it on on your phone or whatever, so you can see the larger context of what we're talking about. But we're going to be working through uh, verses 9 to 13. And it, like I said, it's a really well-known passage, but there are little elements in Scripture that I, th what I like to call Bible nukes. Um, you know, where you, a lot of Scripture, it's all good, it's all beneficial, but sometimes you get to this short little, like, three or four or five verse thing, and it's like this nuke, you know, this bomb that just goes off in your life. It's explosive and, and has so much power and impact. And I, I think this really is because, you know, we're going to spend three weeks on these five ver verses, but, I mean, we could spend, we could spend three years on these five verses, and uh, I think there's just a lot here uh, for us. 
So if you're unfamiliar, uh, Matthew 5 through Matthew 7 is what's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's arguably Jesus' most famous sermon ever. It's incredible. It's better than any sermon Doug or I will ever preach uh, by, like, light years. And um, what what happens is Jesus is teaching um, all this really cool stuff, and a lot of his teachings are kind of flipping the societal norms, the ideas that people have on their heads. So Jesus has come, and he says, hey, I'm fulfilling the law of the Old Testament and taking things to the next level. And really what he's doing is he's challenging a lot of people's perceptions of what's going on. And he's saying, I'm giving you the opportunity to engage personally with God. I am that bridge. I'm bringing God closer to you. I'm bringing my kingdom to earth so you can experience that very personally. And so after chapter 5, he gets into chapter 6. And Jesus starts teaching about some of the spiritual disciplines that followers of him might do. So he talks about giving. He talks about fasting. He talks about how people shouldn't do those, the ways you, uh, like, ways you could do those incorrectly, and then he teaches you how you should practice those things. Then he arrives and does the same thing with prayer. And when we get to verse 9, what happens uh, in Matthew 6, verse 9, Jesus starts off with these two words. He says, this, then. And that's kind of the title for the series, is this, then. Because what Jesus is saying, he's saying, therefore. He's saying, because of who he is, because of what he's done, because of who God is, this, therefore, is not, not, a, not an idea of how you could pray, not add this to your prayer catalog, but this is how you should pray. And he's also saying, as a result of you being a follower of me, since you're a Christian, you, call, you, you bear the name Jesus on your life because you're a Christian, therefore, this is the way you should pray. And Jesus doesn't give us a prayer to repeat over and over. You can pray this prayer a lot, but, but he's not saying, pray this, you know, 300 times a day and, and you'll be good. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's giving us a model for what prayer should look like, what's necessary within the context of prayer. And this is what we're going to be working through over these three weeks. Now, I want to do this thing where, uh, you know, some people do this, where I'm going to actually get us all to read this together, like out loud, using like our mouths and voices and stuff. And I know it's a little awkward because you're like, oh, what if he does the dramatic pause and I keep going and stuff like that? But anyways, it's all good. Um, the only issue in first service was that I screwed up the words because I guess I struggle with reading. So anyways, we're going to do this thing, and it's going to be awesome, okay? So let's read this together. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I nailed it that time. Um, you guys too. Um, so we're only going to be covering verse 9 today, uh, this very first verse of this, this passage. Um, you guys, like I said, you probably know these words. You maybe grew up saying these in school all the time. You could rattle them off and stuff like that. But there's actually something really rich here if we slow down and take a look at this. Um, our, my main point is going to come at the end, and it's going to be what we call our foundational point to this entire series. But before I get right into verse 9, I want to just set up a little bit of more context. In verses 5 through 8, Jesus is talking about how the ways that people shouldn't pray. And so he starts talking about these two types of people. He talks about hypocrites and he talks about pagans. And he says that hypocrites are people that go on the street corner and they pray out loud or they go to synagogues, kind of like churches, and they pray out loud for everyone to hear. They're like yelling their prayers out and saying all these fancy words. So people are like, wow, they're they're so cool. Um, and then he talks about pagans, where pagans, they say all these, like, many words, and basically they have these phrases that they think they can, like, unlock heaven with, or if they say these certain words in these certain ways, it will, you know, make God fulfill their desires and, and, and respond in the way that they want God to respond. And Jesus is saying, this is, this is backwards. 
And, and this is kind of what we're going to be doing with this series is saying, I think there are some ways, a lot of the times, that we pray, and I think we need to look at moving past those and actually look at what Jesus teaches here. Now, I don't know if I think that Jesus' examples of hypocrites and pagans are very culturally relevant nowadays. I don't think those are the issues we have with prayer. Like, I don't see a lot of you guys. I'm not, like, walking around downtown and see one of you on the street corner, like, yelling out your prayers at people and stuff like that. If I did, I would probably pretend I don't know you uh, and then invite you to go to a different church. But um, <laughs> that would be weird. You know, we don't really do that. That's not as cool nowadays. And so what I've done is this morning, I've made a chart. It's in your bulletins if you want to take notes. It's on the app. It's a little different because we can't draw a chart in there, but you can just scroll up and down if you use the app notes. Um, and and what, what we're saying is this then is how you should pray. And that's the idea of the series is how Jesus says you should pray then as a follower of him in response to the gospel. And I've got a few things on the left that we're going to say, not this. This is not how you should pray. And I, I came up with some examples that I think are maybe a little bit more culturally relevant than this um, pagan and hypocrite idea that Jesus had. Um, and uh, ho hopefully they're relevant to where we're at. Um, so yeah, anyways, let's dig right into that. First of all, you should not pray uh, selfishly. Um, oh, sorry, I am in the wrong. Someone, did someone play a prank on me or did I play a prank on myself? You should not pray reactively. Sorry. And I just like totally let the cat out of the bag for one of the future points. You should not pray reactively. So this is what I mean. If you're like me, somewhere in your house, there's like a big bottle or two of echinacea, right? And uh, you, you know what it is. It's like a supplement that you take, and it's natural, and it boosts your immune system so that you don't get sick, uh, or it decreases your chances of getting sick. But if you're like me, you're healthy, so there's no trigger to take echinacea. You're not like, oh, I need to take echinacea, so you don't. And then you get sick. And then what happens? It's like talcy. Where's the echinacea? I haven't taken it in like 120 days. That's two a day. That, I need 240 echinacea tablets right now. You know, you're like slamming the whole bottle. And I know that's ridiculous. It's too late. It's too late. Echinacea isn't going to fix my sickness. It's a preemptive thing. And I think we pray like that a lot. You know, we wait till things are rough. We wait till we have a need. We wait till, you know, we lose our job or we've got a test coming up that we didn't study for or you're going through, someone's sick or something like that. And we wait for those moments to pray. And we treat Jesus like he's a vending machine. It's like, okay, God, I just fell into need. You know, some things are tough, so I, I, I need something now. And, and maybe I'm saying things that are, like, really, like, up in your grill because this is your life. And me too. I, I struggle with this too. Or, or when I say reactively, maybe more what I mean is, uh, you know, we wait for prompts in life. You know, like, oh, there's food on the table. We need to pray before we eat this or, or what? I don't know. The food will kill us. If we don't say bless this food to our bodies, maybe it will be poisonous, you know? Or, I, I don't know, we have these, like, phrases that we just, like, growing up, I always just bless the food to our bodies, bless the hands that prepared it. I didn't know what that meant. I just rattled it off because it was what I heard. I don't know what I expected when I said bless the hands that prepared it. Like, if my mom would be over in the kitchen, all of a sudden her hands would, like, grow, and she's like, I can punch through walls now. Like, I have, like, super strength. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I think praying and thanking God for the food that you have because you get to eat and stay alive is, is a good thing to do. But we wait for prompts like mealtime or bedtime, and these are the times when we pray. And I think that's a really weak and shallow understanding of what the Bible teaches us about prayer in our lives. I think when we pray like this, a lot of times we just end up never praying because, you know, we wait for those situations to react or respond to, we wait for things going on, and we just end up not praying. And I think it's too late. 
when we wait to take the echinacea, when we're sick, we wait till the tough times to pray rather than engaging with God. This then is how you should pray. You should pray always. Now, this is the only point I'm not taking from uh, Matthew 6, 9, but I think that we could spend weeks looking through the Bible at the call to pray always. You can see in Colossians 4, 2, uh, Doug was talking about last week how it says to devote yourselves to prayer. Psalm 32, 3 to 6 says that followers of God shouldn't be silent, but they should always be offering themselves up in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says pray continually. Some translations say pray without ceasing giving thanks in all, not some, but all circumstances. In Ephesians 6, 18, at the end of Armor of God, what does it say? It says, pray at all times. There's this parable Jesus tells in Luke 18, 1 to 8. It goes like this. It says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Not just sometimes, but day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. And then Jesus ties prayer into our faith by ending with this question. He says, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This is a really interesting parable because I don't know if you noticed, but God, like Jesus just compared God to like an unjust judge that doesn't fear God. He uses, un, he uses our human terms to, just, to paint a picture of what it looks like to pursue Jesus, to pursue God relentlessly with our prayers. We should be praying always. You can't talk to God so much that he's bothered. He doesn't get to a point where he's like, oh, I'm sick of these guys talking to me. It's not, it's not who he is. The second way I think you shouldn't pray that we often do is aimlessly. I, I think a lot of times we don't know who we're praying to or what we're praying about. We lack direction in that. And I think a lot of times we, we, it's like we pray, we're praying to other people. And here's what I mean by that. I'll, I'll start with an example that starts on the stage and then try to make it a little bit more personal. But I don't know if you guys have been to like a, a church service where the preacher, they preach and they go through the message. Maybe it's like a three-point message. And then at the end, they do what I like to call the preach pray. And so they close with this prayer. And you're like, who are they praying to? Because they're just re- like, they're like, hey, God, and, you know, please just help, you know, the people in the congregation remember point number one, and that's that they should be generous, and then point number two, and you're like, you just preached this, you know? Who are you praying? If I ever pray like that at the end of a sermon, please, while I'm praying, come up and just slap me. I never want to pray to you guys. Maybe that sounds harsh, but you're not the object of my prayers. Maybe in your lives it plays out differently. Maybe you just, when you pray, you are thinking about what people think of the words you're saying. Do I sound smart enough? Am I saying something weird? Did I say something dumb? Who are you praying to? Maybe in your small group, there's that couple that they bring, uh, they bring snacks that have kale in it a lot or something like that. And so at the end, you're like, yeah, I'll pray. And you're like, God, help us to be a good small group where we're just generous and loving. And we bring delicious snacks to show our love to each other, remembering that we love meat and sweet things. I don't know, maybe wives, you pray and you're like, hey, God, you know, you gra- grab your husband and like, hey, let's pray. Hey, God, help us to just love each other so much and to remember to serve each other selflessly like through doing dishes or, you know, changing diapers. You know, who are you praying to? And maybe we do that even when people aren't around. You're praying to one person 
And that's God. And so this then is how you pray. You should pray to God. Jesus starts off what we call the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 and 9 by saying, Our Father in heaven, he makes no mistake. He make, there's no question about who his prayer is to. Our Father in heaven. This is singly and only about God. It doesn't matter what other people think of the words that are coming out of your mouth. It's not about you trying to change people's perceptions through your prayers. It's about you making an appeal straight to God and you're having a conversation directly to God. Now, I'll point out really quickly, it's interesting that, God, that Jesus says, our Father in heaven, and as he continues on, he says, give us our daily bread. He uses, he uses collective pronouns, not personal ones, because I do think that prayer is a very collective and community-driven thing. But we should remember that our prayers are always to God. He's the only one worth praying to. Deuteronomy 4.7 says, What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? What he's saying is like, it is incredible. Seven billion people on planet Earth and, and growing. And God has unlimited, he is, he is willing to listen 24-7. Maybe today we could say 23-7 because it's daylight losings time today. But, you know, 24-7, God is willing to listen to all these people born on planet Earth. That is incredible. Yet we foolishly and aimlessly throw our prayers off into the air, forgetting that we are coming before the holy and perfect God who created the universe, who is paying attention to our every word and every thought. That's the mystery of the omnipresence and omniscience of God, that, that he cares and is attentive to every word that comes out of your mouth, whether you're praying or not. Now, I have a bit of a confession to make. I, I think that if... Uh, any of us get up on stage and were to teach something that's false or untrue, then we should uh, be accountable for that, and we should own that and, and, and correct that. And so I, I want to take a second to do that today. A couple years ago, we were in our Philippians series. Two years ago, we were in our Philippians series, and I had, by way of analogy, had made a statement, and I, I think it was misleading and untrue, and so I want to correct that and kind of build off of that today. But I had uh, made this comment uh, that... Uh, people, uh, lots of people always, you know, they have babies and they think that they're really cute and beautiful, but that babies are actually ugly. And I've had this like divine revelation over the past three months uh, that that's not actually true. When I say that all babies are ugly, that, that, that is actually untrue. So I'm sorry for teaching that. What I've discovered in the last three months is not all babies are ugly, just all your babies are ugly. <laughs> I don't know if you know the old, like, I think it's Backstreet Boys song, God Must Have Spent a Little More Time on You, or is that NSYNC? NSYNC, yes, sorry. <laughs> you ought to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll pray for you at the end of this series. But that, that's what God did with my, Bible, my baby, clearly. She is beautiful and perfect. I am... Um, but here's the interesting thing. Over, it's actually been cool for me over the past few months. Uh, God's been shaping me a lot through this having a baby thing. And I'm sorry, you guys have had to hear, hear about my baby a lot. And so, um, but there is actually something so beautiful about these children that God creates. But the crazy thing is, objectively speaking, my baby Avra, she's almost three months. Objectively speaking, she is actually really just a, 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 a by and large useless lump of flesh. She doesn't have, and hear me out for a second, it's like, people are like, it's bad enough that you said they're ugly. Now you're... She doesn't have 
ability. She doesn't do stuff. She doesn't contribute around the house. She doesn't make money, you know? She can't speak. She can't, she can't even walk yet. And she can't do stuff. And by and large, she's actually an inconvenience in our lives. She costs us sleep. She costs us money. She costs us time and effort and all that. But the crazy thing is, is even though I know that, I love her so much. It's actually crazy because I'm, I'm not like a, I'm getting choked up just talking. About, I'm, not, I'm not like a sappy, emotional, sentimental, gushy person. Uh, you can ask Talisi if you want to like confirm that, but I am not that. But I see this baby and I just gush. Like my heart explodes. You know, I, I've kissed her face like thousands of times. If you're a dental hygienist, you're probably mad about that. But I, I just love her and I, I, don't, I don't really know why. She can't do stuff. It's crazy because the gap between her ability level and mine and the inconvenience she is to me is nothing compared to the gap between myself and my creator, God. You know, my ability level compared to his is, is so far beyond the gap between Avra and me. And the inconvenience she is to us is nothing compared to the inconvenience that I've been to the God who created the universe, who I continually sin against and offend with my sins, who had to die a horrible death on a cross just for me. Yet we choose foolishly to pray to someone other than that. Who, how foolish, how crazy is it? We're, we're sitting on this gold mine, this depth of wealth called prayer, and we can do it biblically, and it's so rich. It's such an undervalued currency. Yet we sit on top of it, and we're content to play with pennies. It's sad. And the third way you shouldn't pray, you probably guessed it, selfishly. Um, I think that when we pray reactively and aimlessly, and when we don't pray, it is an expression of our selfishness. But I, I think one of the greatest travesties, and I think this, this, is, this is probably what I feel is one of the most relevant points on this side, is when we make prayer all about ourselves, all about us. It, it, it just isn't about us. And until we can understand that, I don't think we can understand what prayer is. I said you shouldn't pray reactively, and I take that back in the sense that I think the only, reactively way, the only reactionary way we should pray is we should pray in reaction to who Jesus is and what he did on the cross for us, and to how good the message of the gospel is, and how deep his love is. We should react to that and understand that prayer just is not about us. Jesus says that if you want to be his disciple, his follower, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, follow him, surrender your life, be willing to divest yourself completely of your own desires, and humbly offer yourself as a sacrifice to who he is. And I believe, and hear me clearly on this, I believe that when you approach prayer selfishly, and maybe you're right, right now, you're like, oh, I don't do that. I want you to listen. I want you to really think because I, I think we do this even without noticing because I think we've been trained to do this a lot. But when you take prayer selfishly, when you approach it selfishly, I think what you do is you actually approach prayer in a way that isn't just different than what the Bible teaches, but is opposite to what the Bible teaches. I, I think that if you approach prayer selfishly, you're taking prayer in a completely opposite context to what Jesus teaches about prayer. What Jesus teaches about prayer, and this is our big takeaway for today, this is our foundational component, is that prayer, this then, prayer is about worship. 
Prayer is about worshiping God. Jesus starts out in Matthew 6 and 9. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He starts by saying prayer is singly about God. He's the only character in this story. And he moves immediately into worship. This is the point today. This is the component that we're saying is necessary to prayer, is worshiping God for who he is, for what he's done. And we'll say that I believe, and I think we'll say throughout the series, that this is the most foundational component. I think if you're going to mess up prayer, mess it up in any other way but keep this. And if this is the only thing you do in prayer, I think you'd be a lot better off than having prayer without worship. That we should be bringing honor and glory to God, complimenting him, pouring out praise. Not because he needs to hear it, but because you were created with one purpose, and that is to honor God, to bring him glory, to worship him, and to praise him. And when you pray, you're actually unlocking the purpose of your life. You're actually unlocking the potential for what you were created for. And you were created to just come before God in wonder and awe and amazement and tell him how incredible he was over and over and over. It's not that he doesn't know. It's that we often forget how incredible and wonderful he is. See, when we talk about worship, one of, one of the bummers is nowadays we say the word worship and we just think about singing at church. And don't get me wrong, I think the singing, at worship, singing at church is great, but when that's our definition of worship is singing songs at church or singing songs anywhere, I think we adopt a really shallow and incomplete and unfortunate definition of what worship means. Don't get me wrong, I love the music we have here. We have awesome bands here at FBC, and if you haven't gone and thanked them and given them a high five recently, then, then you should. But I want you to know very clearly that music could stop existing on planet Earth. We could never sing a song at FBC again, and you would still be able to worship God. You don't need the music. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. It's not just a music thing. That's an element of it. But, but that could go away, and we would still be created with the purpose of worshiping God and bringing him honor and glory and honoring his name. I, I think when we look at prayer selfishly, we so often we run into prayer and we just look inward. And, and I think you'll really get this if you've ever been a part of any Bible study or small group or maybe even with your family. When you end off, what do we always say? Any prayer requests. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not preaching against having requests and making those known to God. I believe the Bible teaches that. But it's just not the main point. It, but we make it the main point. That's our language that we always use. And, and I'm, I'm as guilty of this as anybody. And this is as much a call to me to change this in my life as anybody else. But how often does your small group or your family or your Bible study, whoever you pray with, get together and, and just say, hey, let's have a time of prayer and let's only Thank God for who he is, because thankfulness for who he is is one of the best ways to worship God. Or, or let's just talk about how amazing God is. Let, let our prayers just be that. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't need stuff right now. Let's just pray to him. Because, I mean, what if I treated Talisi like that in our marriage? What if I got home from work and I was just like, yo, Talisi, dinner, laundry, foot massage, comb my hair. Just kidding, I don't, I don't believe in combing my hair. You understand how ridiculous that is, but then compare that to how we so often approach prayer and let that convict and melt your heart and understand that we approach it backwards. I mean, if I approach my marriage like that, you would see me on like a super, super viral uh, episode of Dr. Phil, you know? You'd be like, well, Ryan, you know, I'm just gonna call a spade a shovel. You're a bad husband. 
Yeah, sorry. I was watching Jimmy Fallon's Wheel of Impressions last night, and I thought I could pull that off, but that was pretty bad. I'm sorry. I'm not good at impressions. One thing I've learned in my marriage is that I can approach it selfishly and try to get stuff out of it, and I can try to have it be pleasing to me. But the more that I selfishly or selflessly approach Talisy with love and put her first, I actually end up with a way more rewarding and deeper relationship with her than I could have ever had if I approached it selfishly. And that is even more true of our relationship with God, because he has more ability to bless you and give you depth in relationship than your spouse ever will. If you approach it selflessly, you'll find so much benefit and depth in your relationship with God, more than if he just granted you all the menial requests that you asked for. Matthew 6, 8, he's, he says, he says, God knows what you need before you ask about it. It's not like when we come to God, it's like, hey, God, you know, like, I lost my job. I need a new job. He's like, oh, really? You know, I had no idea. Thank you for letting me know. There's this website called Kijiji. You know, like, uh, it's not like God's unaware. He loves us. It's interesting to me, and it's sad to me, that if you're sick five days out of the year, those five days you spend time praying that God will make you healthy while the 360 that you're healthy, you don't utter a single word of thanks for your health. I mean, where does that health come from? How sad is it that our approach to God is so selfish that we call out when we feel like we need something, but we spend little time worshiping him and honoring him and thanking him for who he is and what he's done. If I believe that if you sat down and you decided to just thank God for every, every part of who he is and everything he's ever done, you would not have enough time in your life to get to your requests because you're doing that. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I said, I believe requests are fine, but I actually believe that if you spend more time just honoring and praying to God, worshiping him and thanking him, you'll see probably more of your desires, the requests that you might have come true. You'll see God show up in more powerful ways than if you just spend your time rattling off your requests to him. And I think we're selfish because we look inwards, but I think we're also selfish because we don't create time and space for prayer. We don't slow down. We don't have times where we just stop and spend time with God, saying, I don't need anything right now. I just want to spend time with my maker, my father. If you read the story of Daniel, it's, it's amazing. In Daniel 6, uh, they make this law that you can't pray, but Daniel stays with his practice. Three times a day, he goes to his room, and he, just, he has time set aside to pray. I'm going to guess if you went back and you asked Daniel, you know, well, do things ever interfere with your schedule? He would say no. I, I, I'm going to guess that Daniel would say, those times are sacred. Nothing gets in the way. Like if his friends came up to him like, hey, Daniel, there's a new circus in town, and they've got this like really cool lion taming show. You should like come check it out. He would probably be like, sorry, man. It's prayer time. I can't go. I'll see the show later. Um, I'm going to guess that that was a priority to him, and that's how we should approach prayer. Not as a, oh, we're about to eat, or oh, I've got time now, or whatever, but this is my time where I just spend time with, with my dad, with God who loves me so much. Uh, recently, I, I did this thing, and it's actually been really cool for me. I'm, I'm not saying this to Sam. It's just a cool thing in my life, and maybe it's something similar to what maybe some of us need to do to create some space, but I, I'm just sick of how captivating my phone is. I, I don't know if you're like me, but there's this little piece of plastic or metal or glass or whatever the, those things are made out of, some robots, um, and, and, and it just drains our time, right? 
like an idol in our lives. So I, I kept my social media accounts, but I, I deleted all the apps. Like I deleted social media off my phone because there's so much content, games. It's all gone. So it's just a communication device. And it's crazy how much time I have. We think we're so busy. Delete stuff off your phone. You're not that busy. You just stare at your phone all the time. Maybe for you it's something different. It's TV. It's work. I don't know what it is. It's been amazing the extra space I've had to just spend time with God. I encourage you to make some space in your life. Be less selfish with that. So week one, all I want to ask you guys to do is slow down, create some space, breathe a little, and give God honor. Worship him, compliment him, thank him. Model this for your families. In Revelation, uh, John has this vision of some crazy stuff. It's really cool if you ever want to talk about the book. I love it. But uh, in Revelation 4, John gets this vision of the throne room of God, and there are these crazy beasts around God's throne, and it's this wild picture, but it says in Revelation 4, 8, these beasts, it says, day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. They're saying, holy, perfect, uh, above us. We can't, we can't touch you. We can't comprehend who you are. You're so far beyond us. You're so holy, God. And they keep telling him. It's not like God forgets every few seconds. They like, wait, tell me again, am I holy? He knows. It doesn't say that these beasts keep saying, you know, give us the things we want, fulfill our desires, make us happy. They just continue to pour out praise and honor to who God is because he deserves that and more. I'm not a very traditional person. If you know me, you would know that that's true. Uh, and, I, you know, people often say they don't make them like they used to. You'll almost never hear that phrase come out of my mouth, especially when it's about things like airplanes and cars. I'm really happy they don't make them like they used to. Um, but there are some things from the past that are really awesome, and there's this really old song uh, called Holy, 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 and we're going to be singing it in a second. Um, and throughout the song, we're going to do a little bit of interactive stuff, nothing crazy, but just by way of application, I'm going to spend the next, I don't know, six or seven minutes just worshiping with you guys as a church. Allow yourself to take a deep breath and remove your distractions and just recognize that God is here and he is listening to you. And he's pleased by the words that you say when you focus on him and you worship him. The band's going to start playing and I'll invite you guys to stand up and uh, we're going to sing this song. You guys can stand up now. Sorry, yeah, you go ahead. Um, I guess that sounded like I was going to do that in the future. But just everything else that's going on around you, let it fade away. There's no one around you. You have an audience of one. His name is God. He's listening. We're going to sing, and after each verse, I'm going to give a little bit of instruction. We're going to uh, practice this a little bit together, and then we'll, then we'll wrap up there. So anyways, uh, we'll sing verse one together now. things I found as a help in my uh, prayer life is to just use scripture as 
as, as uh, a driving force behind it. And that's largely what our prayer guides are going to be in a couple weeks, is just offering opportunities for that. I love praying through some of the Psalms. And, and so that's what I want to do right now. We're going to put Psalm 66, 1 to 9 up there. And I want us to just read this together and understand that these should be our words uh, to God. So let's, let's read this out loud together. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. Come and see what God has done. How awesome his deeds for mankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. Let's sing uh, verse 2 together. profound, just something you're thankful to God for, something that you're thankful for, maybe one or two things. Now I want you to go ahead right now and just share it with someone beside you. Grab someone behind, beside you and just say, this is, this is what I'm thankful to God for. Go ahead and then we'll sing after that together again. you and adoring you for who you are and all that you've done. 
So where you are, I invite you to just take a minute and on your own, just pray and, and pray nothing but awe and adoration and worship for who God is. And then, and then I'll close us in prayer at the end. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You are beyond description, God. No words can begin to capture how incredible your love and your grace and your mercy are, God. We love you and we thank you for all that you do, that you listen to us and that you care about us, your children. You are an incredible God. Oh God, we love you so much. Thanks for being here this morning, guys. We have one last opportunity for you to worship God through thankfulness because today is Donut Sunday. Have an awesome week.